Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hello and welcome to another Veterinary Business Matters podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. I'm Mike Pownall and I am really excited once again to be joined by Katie Ardeline. Katie works with us at Oculus, part of the Oculus team. Katie is an HR specialist, but before I say too much, Katie, introduce yourself. Welcome. Thanks so much, Mike. Good morning. As Mike said, my name is Katie Ardeline, and I am a partner in Oculus Insights. I have an HR background, a formal HR background, went to school for human resources, but I also worked in a large equine veterinary practice as an operations manager for seven or eight years. So I have kind of the two perspectives of experience that uh, come together. So I'm excited now to be working with Oculus and uh, to be bringing uh, the HR message out to uh, other veterinary practices in North America and around the world. And you've also been doing quite a lot of work on HR with some companion animal practices as well. So you're not just focused on equine, right? Nope. All animals all the time, for sure. All right. So when we were sort of discussing what we wanted to talk about on this podcast, and I like to preface this by saying uh, Katie and I are going to chat about once a month just about HR issues. We're both deep into uh, the hiring process. Katie's been hiring a, a practice manager for a practice, and I've been trying to hire some receptionists and a manager as well. So we're both immersed in it. I thought, let's just talk about the hiring process because that's such a critical aspect. And I think like a lot of diseases that we see in medicine, great hiring is the best prevention for HR problems down the road. So Katie, do you have any kind of philosophy or what, how you approach the hiring process? I'd say, you know, hiring slowly. So making sure that you're not in a position where you're doing a desperation hire, which I say with air quotes, which is where you just want a warm body in a position. You know, I found over the years um, that when we've kind of been in that position and we just hired the first person that came along, it never ends well. It's not necessarily a good cultural fit. You know, sometimes you luck out and you get somebody that's exceptional, but a lot of the time uh, that doesn't work so well. So, you know, making sure that you have a solid plan when you're going into hiring and when you're going into actually doing the interviews and making sure that you're asking questions and um, gathering information that ensures that the person really aligns with the culture of the company that you're hiring for and the core values and that you have a good philosophical fit. You know, I like to say that, you know, with notable exceptions, such as RVTs or licensed technicians and veterinarians, we can pretty much teach anybody to do anything, uh, but we want them to have the right kind of personality and we want them to have uh, the enthusiasm that will allow us to be able to train them effectively. So that's sort of where I come into it. I really, I quite enjoy hiring, but, you know, there has to be a, a pretty um, repeatable and consistent way that you're evaluating these folks to make sure that you're making the best choice. Okay, yeah, and we'll get into that process in a bit, but I, you know, I think, you know, our philosophy at Oculus is very much of, if we can sum up into one sentence, is, is Hire the smile, train the skills. In other words, just hire the right attitude for your practice. And, I, and it's funny, and I don't know if you come across this, but you know, I've been doing some hiring, as I said, for some vet practices, and sometimes some excellent candidates show up that don't have veterinary background. And I will have people in the office say, well, if they don't have background in you know, dogs or cats or horses, they're no good for us. And 
I try to argue that skills are transferable. And if you're finding the right skill set, they don't necessarily need to be well experienced. Have you come across that? And how have you, how do you feel about that? Uh, I definitely agree with you. You know, I'm thinking back to one of the practices we work with uh, who recently hired a receptionist who had been in the service industry, personal service industry, and she knew nothing about horses, but she knows customer service inside and out. She knows how to make a client happy. You know, when I was a manager of an office, I, I kind of get this thinking, you want somebody with horse experience, you want somebody with small animal experience because it makes the training process easier. But really, I mean, people are intelligent and they can pretty much learn how to do anything. They can learn about horse anatomy. They can learn about, you know, talking to a client about spaying a cat. That's really a non-issue. Making sure that you have somebody who understands how to make a client happy, uh, which is really the end goal of any role that we hire for, uh, is something that's unique and it's, it's not necessarily something that's easy to come by. So when you find that person... Uh, I totally agree with you. It's always nice to have that enthusiastic person who wants to learn. uh, And it's fun to watch those people flourish. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that I look for in a resume is people that have had experience in hospitality industries like bars or hotels, but particularly bars, because if you've worked in a busy bar, you're used to dealing with clients that can be demanding, could be emotional, sometimes abusive, which unfortunately, our clients can be like that at times, rarely, of course, but it's nice to have that resiliency. I'll tell a funny story. We had a reception that worked for us, and she had been a hostess for a pretty fancy restaurant in our area. And I was sitting in the office one day, and she was on the phone with a client, and I could hear the conversation, and it was ugly. And this guy, I wouldn't say gentleman, but this person on the other end of the phone was just berating her. You can hear the conversation across the office. And it went along for 20 minutes. And boy, she handled this person so well. She got off the phone and I said, wow, that was, are you okay? I mean, that sounded like a pretty abusive person. She's like, oh, that was nothing. I'm like, nothing? She's like, well, at least he wasn't throwing food at me. I'm like, excuse me? She's like, you know, I remember being in the restaurant. People would get mad and they throw bread rolls at you. So this guy yelling at me on the phone was fine. So I was like, okay. Quite taken. Nobody should have to put up with that, but dropped right off for it. She didn't bother her at all. No, definitely. And I think that's a really good example of somebody who has this self-awareness also to know that whatever was hurled at them, literally or figuratively, isn't about her, the receptionist. It's about the person and whatever they're dealing with on their end. And, you know, I've been in the position where you can take things personally, but having that person who understands that, yeah, I'm just doing my best. I'm trying to make this person happy, but ultimately, you know, this isn't about me. This is about me doing the best job possible, but it's not about uh, anything that I did wrong necessarily. Yeah, fair enough. So that self-awareness and that emotional maturity to be able to sort of compartmentalize that kind of behavior from a client is uh, something that's really precious for sure. So let's talk about the process, and then I want to touch upon the characteristics. I think you're talking about self-awareness is really critical, but maybe if you can walk us through the steps of the hiring process. Certainly. So, of course, you know, making sure that you have uh, a job ad or some kind of document that ensures that the person who's reading this ad knows exactly what they're applying for, that's critically important. And I mean, not just for the person who you're hiring, but also on the side of the company that's doing the hiring, you need to make sure that you know exactly what you're hiring for as well. So this goes back to having, you know, a good job description and really understanding the roles within your hospital. Uh, Job number one is making sure that you have that good description and you can put it together in a great job ad. 
you know, next step is to put it up on uh, the internet is an excellent way to find candidates. I think it's really the only way these days to find a candidate. I used to sort of think, you know, the indeed.coms of the world were uh, a terrible place to find somebody because you tend to get, you know, a hundred resumes and maybe three of them are appropriate. But I found actually that casting that really wide net finds you some really interesting folks that you might not find otherwise if you were searching on just an all uh, veterinary board or, you know, on a veterinary practice manager's website or something like that. So I like to throw it out on Indeed and see what you get. And then from there, obviously going through the resumes, making sure that they at least meet the basic uh, requirements of the job. That's obviously very important. Uh, And then the first fun step uh, for me is really giving them a call and doing that initial phone interview, you know, a very short interview where you're just having an informal conversation with them and you're verifying all their experience and getting to know them a bit more. But really in that phone call, I'm evaluating, you know, emotional intelligence. I'm how are they responding to me? Do they have a great uh, rapport with me on the phone? Uh, Are they able to speak and be bright and enthusiastic? You know, I've been surprised. I don't know why I keep being surprised, but I have been surprised in the past where you have folks who are in that that initial interview and they're really not enthusiastic. And, you know, you think, well, we're not even face to face and you're not really wowing me on the phone. So it can be an easy way to weed people out. But that said, sometimes people aren't great on the phone initially. I mean, people are nervous, particularly younger folks who haven't done a lot of interviewing. So you do have to give them a bit of the benefit of the doubt. But I really think that that phone interview is critical. Uh, And it also gives you a chance to evaluate the person without bringing them in and having them sit down face to face. You know, you realize within the first five minutes of the interview that this person isn't appropriate, but then they're there. You don't want to just sort of cut it off right away. So it's a really good time saver to do that initial phone interview. I've had in recent instances in the phone interview and within 30 seconds, you know, this person is not right for the position. They're right for some position, but not our position. And then you think, oh my gosh, if they're in front of me face to face, this would be the most painful half hour of my day. Absolutely. You can make a phone call much shorter than it needs to be. That's for sure. Sure. I mean, I I had a recent phone interview um, for somebody that I eventually hired for a position. The phone interview actually went on for an hour and a half, which I think is the record. Yeah. But it was somebody who was so appropriate and, you know, was asking her for her philosophy on different ways of managing staff. And she was so aligned with what we believe is Oculus that it was like, hey, this is an excellent, excellent conversation. I really want to learn more. So it can definitely go both ways. I'd say that's an anomaly and not necessarily the norm. But, you know, then this person went on to have basically a two day in-person interview. Uh, And that's really the next step of the hiring process is to have that person come in and meet with them face to face You know, another way to do it if you're far away is to have a Skype interview with that person and have the video up on your computer so that you or on your phone so that you can converse and you can sort of see their facial expressions and how they react. Um, But I always prefer to do an in-person interview. And then again, you're verifying all their experience and then you get into really talking to them about what it is they're looking for. Then you pull out my favorite part of any interview process, which are the behavioral and situational type questions. And really the beauty of those types of questions is if you have your core values and your core competencies and those things that are really important to your company, if you have those in mind. Hold on one second. Before I go any further, can you just sort of define the core competencies? You know, I think the values are self-explanatory, but what are the value competencies? 
Value competencies are sort of the action words that go along with a core value. Let's say that you have a core value of teamwork. It's like, okay, well, teamwork is a very broad thing. And so, you know, you might say, well, what does teamwork look like to this practice day to day? And it might look like different things to different practices. Um, So, for example, a core competency that might go along with teamwork would be accountability. So, you know, making sure that if you say something that you do it so that you can support the team. That would be an, an example of a competency. Absolutely. So that ties back to that you're asking the questions to support your values. And I think just as an aside there, I think, you know, when we hire people, we want, we're really looking for a cultural fit. And I think it's so important to hire for the right values, you know, the values of the company, because, you know, you can teach people skill set as we've discussed, but you can't impose a value on somebody. So if somebody doesn't share our values in a business, Right off the bat, it's going to be a hard cultural fit. So better to hire that for your culture to make that teamwork exceptional. And so it remains a great place to work. Absolutely. So I interrupted you and you were talking about the interview process and you're trying to get with the behavioral question. So let's maybe carry on from there. Certainly. The behavioral and the situational questions, I think, are the most important part of the face-to-face interview, at least the initial one. Behavioral question would be, you know, tell me about a time when dot, dot, dot. So tell me about a time when you had to deal with an irate customer. Uh, What did you do? So that you can have them have to go back uh, in their memory and pull out those times when they had to deal with things. And you can really evaluate how they dealt with it. And you can ask other probing questions from there so that you can verify that they're not just sort of went on the internet and said, okay, these are the types of questions they're going to ask. So I'm going to make something up, which is always the danger of that type of question. What you can do to combat that is come up with a situational question. So it's kind of the yin and the yang, the behavioral and the situational question. So the situational question would be, here is something that happened. So Let's say that you are on the phone with a client who isn't happy about the service they received, and no matter what you do, they won't listen to you and they won't be reasonable. What would you do? So that the person has to think on their feet and think, okay, what would I actually do in this situation? Um, How would I deal with it? It makes them think a little harder and, and show you a little bit more of that emotional intelligence that they have. So those are definitely the favorite parts. And I know, um, Mike, that you have some favorite questions that you like to ask to kind of evaluate that emotional intelligence side of things when you're interviewing somebody. Yeah. And I think some of it is just, I want to know how well people think on their feet because, you know, our days in a vet hospital, they're not predictable and you're never sure what's going to come next. So two questions I like asking. One is what's the last book you read? And I ask that because not everybody reads books anymore. Uh, we are just deluge with so many kind of other kinds of media. So I want to see if they're going to answer honestly and say, you know what, I don't read. Or I don't read books. Or I prefer magazines or, you know what, I guard it. I just want to see if they will maybe push back and, and, and be honest about it. The other one I, I like to ask is, I've been asking this one lately, is that have you been in a job situation and somebody said this is an area that you have to improve upon? What was it and what steps have you taken to uh, improve on that? And I ask that question because I want to know how coachable they are, how open they are for feedback. And it's funny because, you know, some people say, well, I, no, I've never received that. And it could be that 
they were in a job that nobody ever gave them feedback. But at least I wanted them to say, you know what, nobody's ever said anything, but you know, one area that I know I have to work on is X. Right. And I did Y to work on it and it's still a work in progress. I want people to sort of be self-reflective and see if they have that self-awareness that you're talking about. Absolutely. Another one that I really like that I think I got from you a couple of years back is uh, I like to ask them if we polled your friends and family and asked what the biggest misperception somebody might have about you when they first meet you, what would it be? That is a really fun one for the interviewer. (laughs) It's a fun one for me to ask. You can really evaluate their self-awareness there as well. You know, a lot of the time people will say, oh, well, um, people might think I'm shy when they first meet me, or they might think I'm aloof, but really, I just need to get comfortable with the situation. You know, those types of questions to me, things that you can verify things on a resume as far as skills really easily, getting to whether they're going to be a good cultural fit is uh, the more challenging thing. But I mean, there's lots that we can do to make sure that that's a good fit. Once we've had that initial in-person interview, if the person is suitable, then we always, always, without fail, have them come back and do uh, a working interview. And that's really the litmus test of whether the person is going to fit or not is really hinges on that working interview. I don't necessarily need to be involved with that interview as the manager. Really, the, the working interview is setting the person loose with the staff that they're going to be working with, um, you know, whether it's veterinarians or support staff and mixing everybody up and just getting people's opinions on what they think of this candidate. Is this somebody who's going to work or are they not going to work? Uh, And I know, you know, sometimes you might think that this person is going to be awesome and they're like a perfect fit and they said all the right things. And then you turn them loose with the staff and the staff are like, "Uh, no, this isn't a good fit. You have a good story about this kind of situation. Several years ago, I was interviewing somebody for a vet assistant. This person had volunteered at one of our practices. We have a couple of practices in the Toronto area. And they said, you know, she volunteered, came in for a day. We really, really like her. Uh, So I interviewed with her and it was a bad in-person interview. Uh, We didn't do the phone interview just because everybody had said that she was a great fit. So I said, come on in. And it was a bad in-person interview and wouldn't look at me in the eye. I was looking out the window, totally distracted. And I was like, this person is not right for us. And so I went back and talked to people. I just said, you know what? I interviewed her. It wasn't right. And they're like, no, no, something wasn't right. We could bring her back. We really enjoyed her when she was a volunteer. All right. Brought her back. She spent a day with our staff. They came after us and said, she was amazing. We need to hire her. She's perfect. So I said, all right, I'll take you on your word. We hired her. So she ended up staying for about two years as a vet assistant. She went to vet school and she worked every summer in vet school. And now she has joined us as a vet and has worked with us for two years. So, and is doing just absolutely just a gem, just really somebody you're so happy to have in your practice, makes you and your practice better. And, you know, if I hadn't listened to the staff, we would have lost her. And what a shame that would have been. So I think you're 100% right. I always tell people when I'm interviewing them that I'm really not going to make the final decision. Your coworkers are because they're the ones that have to work with you all the time. And if they feel they can work with you, I'm great. Let's go for it. So that's how I look at it. The recent hire that I had for a manager at one of our clients, she was so excited to come in and she was excited to meet people. And she said, you know, I'm here in the area for a few days and I'm happy to spend all of those days at the practice. I want to talk to as many people as possible. 
And that's a really wonderful thing too, that the person is happy to, to spend their time making sure that they're the right fit as well. You know, I mean, it's not just us making sure they're the right fit. The candidate needs to make sure that they're yeah. the right fit for the practice as well. You really, 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 I mean, if there's nothing else that people take from this podcast, I would say, make sure that you're doing that working interview. They don't necessarily need to, you know, inject hawks or, you know, set up an appointment for a receptionist, but they need to hang around and do they ask questions? Do they interact? Interact well with the staff? Can they actually restrain a dog or can they, do they have some kind of horse handling experience that would be, you know, something that you can work with? So all of these things are things that you can put together. And I mean, different positions, you would be looking for different things, but ultimately do they fit in with the rest of the staff and are the rest of the staff happy with this? Candidate? Quick question for you. Uh, so when people come in for a working interview, do you pay them? Uh, it depends. Uh, there's no simple answer for that. I think, you know, if it's, it's a position where you really need to, to ensure that they can do the job. So for example, some like a barn worker, somebody who, and who might come into an equine practice and need to muck stalls and handle horses sort of all day. I think that it's important to have that person there all day. And in that case, I might pay them, you know, in whatever legal means that you can for your jurisdiction, whether it's money or you could do um, a gift card or something like that. But, you know, for a couple of hours for, say, a receptionist or something like that, then I wouldn't necessarily pay them. But I think it's on a case by case basis. So now that you're in the position to to hire, you know, it's just an offer of employment in most cases, correct? Uh, definitely. I mean, you always want to check uh, references. Uh, it's a bit of a different climate now than it was a few years ago for checking references. A lot of people will only tell you, yes, the person worked here and these are the dates. They won't give you a lot of information, but it's still worth a try to see if there's anything else that they're able to share. But once you've confirmed and you can make that offer of employment, then you need to confirm when they're going to start and then put start putting together your plan for training this person. So just because you've hired this wonderful, awesome enthusiastic person doesn't mean you can just set them loose and magic will happen and they will learn how to do the job. So make sure that you have people on site who are responsible for their training, for guiding their training and being a mentor for them. And also having a pretty rigorous uh, codified or written down training process so that you can make sure all the boxes are checked. 100%. We'll get into training more in depth in a future podcast. You know, interesting. We touched upon references. And I lately, I've been, I've been suspicious of references because people can really only give you the references that they know they're, you know, it's like, of course, they're going to make sure that the, the references they're going to give you are the best ones. So I think having good questions for the people that you're talking to is essential to sort of, you know, again, find if they're going to be the right cultural fit for you. It's almost like you're using these behavioral questions with the uh, the reference giver to understand how they actually were. People have asked me in the past, I mean, do you look online? Do you try to track people on social media to see you know, how they are? And, and depending on what you see, does that make an impact with you? I'd say I do check. Um, I don't think I've found anything really recently uh, that's been of any use. I think people are being a little more judicious about what they make public on their social media online. Uh, but I mean, the tools are there and, you know, that's another indicator of self-awareness as to whether they're, they're able to kind of rein in their personality online or they're able to make sure that they appear professionally if they get searched out online. But I wouldn't mm. use it necessarily as a make or break. You might find something from 10 years ago when the person's gone through some kind of a change yeah, sure. or, or, or whatnot. So definitely look at it, but I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Hiring, as you said at the very beginning, it's one of the best, most fun parts of you know management and HR management. I really think that 
we as business owners or managers have a great responsibility uh, when we're hiring people. And this sort of hit me uh, last week. I was interviewing somebody for a position, and, and this woman was just a delight. And you know, she's gone to school, very focused, great interview. You know, you, you just see the promise, and you see the foundation of how this, you know, your business could be built with this person. And yet, so many people go into jobs, and you know, as you said, the training wasn't there, or the culture is not there, and these people get frustrated, burnt out. And I think it's really prevalent in the vet industry. You know, when you start looking globally, that veterinarians have the highest suicide rate amongst professionals, and the attrition rate in the in the profession. I really think it's our responsibility to make sure our businesses we take care of the people that work for us, because I, I just find it, it's such a shame that you get these great young people that have all this enthusiasm, and your business could really influence them to you know not feel so good in a couple of months, couple of years. That's my little soapbox comment. I want to say on on hiring. Definitely. And I think this could be a whole, you know, two, two hour podcast in itself is that, you know, taking care of staff and, and how do we ensure that they're, you know, growing and that they're obviously a profitable part of the business, but that we're not uh, using and abusing them, which might be the way that it was in the past. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a real business case to take care of your, your employees. We'll get into that. I mean, any final words? We've been talking for a while and I think the subject is a great one. I say we could talk forever on that, but we'll uh, come back on a, every three to four weeks on another area of HR. If anybody has a particular subject or a question about HR, please send it to us. We'd be happy to discuss it. Thank you very much, Katie. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success.